At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our series, Unstoppable, Bound in His Love, Freed by His Spirit, where we're journeying through what many call the greatest chapter in the Bible, Romans 8, to uncover a more lasting force than hard work and a more enduring purpose than momentary success. Good morning, Woodside. How are you today? You can be honest. That's the reality of what I'm learning is we can be honest with how we're feeling. And it uh, might not be the best week or the best day, but God is good. Amen? And today I want to spend some time as we start a new Christmas series opening, talking about the coming of God at Christmas. I just want to state the obvious. I hope I'm not too distracting with my little scooter. Um, this last week I was in California and uh, decided to play basketball and learned quickly that I'm not as young as I used to be. And I ruptured my Achilles tendon. So I'll be having surgery on Tuesday if you think of me to pray for me. And, uh, man, if you know any handy, uh, handyman or handyman, uh, I would love to know who they are. i got a lot of stuff still to do before winter, and I am unfortunately not going to be able to do it. And, um, it's going to be good. God's still good. It's been a, it's been a week, but uh, God has something good for us. And... Um, Man, I just wanted to also, it's been an amazing thing to watch the community, uh, surrounding community, really all of Michigan together, come together uh, for one another. Um, it's great. We have um, Lieutenant Governor Garland uh, Gilchrist with us this morning, uh, worshiping with us as him and the governor in the area, worshiping, uh, showing the support for the community. It's been just powerful uh, to see the community come together uh, across the community, uh, not about a church, but about the community, and that we might support one another and love one another. It's been, even at a distance, I saw, because I was out of town, but seeing that come together has been a powerful thing, and I hope we don't lose that in the midst of all that's happening. So if you want to turn to uh, Luke chapter 1 this morning, uh, that's where we're going to be. I hope I can be somewhat lighthearted amidst some of the message. I think that's good for the soul in the midst of uh, some of this, and again, I hope I'm not too distracting with what's happening with me, but I'm going to do my best. The, the video team is great that they don't have to chase me across the stage anymore. So um, I was thinking about preaching for my scooter, but I didn't think that would be beneficial. So, man, we're officially entering, entering into the Christmas season, and I absolutely love it. As you know, I'm a big lover of Christmas. And we're going to be in Luke chapter uh, 1 this morning, verse 26. And, man, uh, I don't know about you. If you've thought about it, you're probably already watching your favorite Christmas movies. I don't know about you. There's all kinds of them. There's funny ones. There's sentimental ones. Uh, but no matter what, what they are, each of us, I, pr I, I promise, each of us have probably our favorite Christmas movie, right? If I just ask you quickly, what's your favorite Christmas movie, you probably could tell me right away. Mine is for sure Home Alone. My family knows. Every year we have to watch Home Alone 1, Home Alone 2, because there's something powerful about it. There's, um, every single year when I watch it, it takes me back to when I was a kid and me imagining what it would be like to be Kevin left at home, at home to defend our home against the bad guys. Anyone else? It's uh, fun to do that. My family knows we have to watch that. But one of the powerful things about movies, this time of year, Christmas movies, a good story or um, a good book, is that story moves us in a profound and powerful way, doesn't it? I mean, there's certain movies you've probably watched, and you're like, wow, that is really powerful. Someone tells you a story, a book you've read. And while my example seems silly about Home Alone, I know that story moves us as we find ourselves within the story. Oftentimes, it's very profound in our lives. 
And this is exactly what we want to happen over the course of the next number of weeks around Christmas. We're going to be starting a new series in, in this time about eyewitnesses, people that were there and the first moments when Christ was born and got to see it themselves and see how it impacted them, the story of Christmas, and maybe with our own eyes see what they saw and respond the way they did or maybe not the way they did, but learning from their eyewitness a story. You know, because Christmas is oftentimes the most wonderful time of the year with all the festivities, but we as believers in Jesus celebrate it different, that it's more than the, the gifts and the festivities, but it's profound because everything, even this week that we're experiencing, we know that there is hope because Christ came, Emmanuel, with us. Amen? And that's what we're celebrating this week this next week and coming up to Christmas. And we want to experience like the eyewitness of the original Christmas story. And it gives us an opportunity, no matter who you are, no matter who you are watching online, to respond to Jesus because the coming of Jesus was for you. And so we're starting a new series today called Eyewitnesses, Finding Your Christmas Story in Theirs. And today it's going to be fun as we open up with the first eyewitness of the coming of Jesus, and that is the story of Mary. Specifically this morning, I want you to, and it's amazing, I'll just be honest, as I was studying this week, I, I wrote this message like a few weeks, a month ago for Woodside, and it's profound to me as I look that what God wants to say today, he wants to speak about what's happening today. That I want you to see today that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God through the eyes and the lens of Mary. May we learn and see that today nothing is impossible with Jesus. No matter how you felt coming in today, no matter how overwhelmed you feel, no matter how you may wrestle and see with your situation, maybe it's not connected with what happened this week at all, but in your situation, you're like, there's no way that God can work in this situation. Can I tell you, and I want to remind you today, that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible. You might think, I am what I witnessed, what I experienced is so broken, nothing is impossible. Where I've been and who I am, nothing is impossible with God. And I want to remind you that today. So let's read together Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. It says this. We'll have it on the screen. There's Bibles under your seats. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of, the fa of his father David, and he will reign over the, house of the, over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? When you look at this at the beginning, there's a couple things we could pull out of it. And one of it is, is that I want you to see is that when God calls, he provides. That when God calls you in your life, he will always Provide, And we see that even in the story of Mary. I just want to here look at the place real quick because it's significant. 
the angel, uh, the angel Gabriel is sent by God to Nazareth to the Virgin Mary. Now, this is significant. Oftentimes, we read past these things like, oh, great, it's Nazareth. Uh, it's a virgin birth. It's Mary. No big deal. But this is, the place is significant. Nazareth itself has no notice in Scripture. It's insignificant. There's no mention of it in Josephus. There's no mention of it in rabbinical literature. Gabriel ignored Judea and Jerusalem and the center of where God had been working all of his years, and he went out to a marginalized population in Nazareth. That if you look at Nazareth and what it was, it was a marginalized population. It was basically a non-place, a, a place that was a shoddy or corrupt halfway stop between the port cities of Tyre and Sidon that was ridden with Gentiles and Roman soldiers. And that is where Jesus sent Gabriel to notify the person of Mary. An insignificant place. Now, now you look at the person of Mary. Mary is referred to twice as a virgin before she's ever mentioned by name. That's pretty significant. He's setting up this miraculous work of conception that God is going to do in Mary. Now, now, when you think about it, barren wombs had been opened before. We've, we've read about that in the Old Testament. And actually, just before this, we'll come back to this. In Luke, God sent an angel to go to Elizabeth, her relative, and let her know that she was going to have a child, even in her own age, who is John the Baptist. But God is in, in the business of, of, of overcoming obstacles, and he's opened wombs before. But the virgin conception is an unprecedented act of God. And it's going to happen here. And Mary's virginity is not presented here so that she is seen as a worthy vessel or a holy vessel to, to bring forth the Messiah, but rather it's set up as an obstacle to the miraculous of what God is about to do in the life of Mary. And it's significant the way that it rolls out in Luke. The fact that God goes to, to, to Elizabeth first and then to Mary, about John the Baptist and then Jesus. He's showing an order of of um, extraordinary, or actually an order in which there's superiority, that Jesus and his birth is superior to John the Baptist. That's interesting when you look at Mary. Mary was a young, poor, peasant girl. She was probably illiterate, having nothing special about her, like thousands of others, living in a non-town like Nazareth. But, man, we miss the gospel. We miss the coming of Jesus. If we do not see that Jesus, with the greatest news, God with the greatest news that's ever proclaimed, comes to the humblest and the most lowly people. That is what God does. And Gabriel, he, he, greets, G, he greets Jesus. No, he greets Mary. And he tells her that she's the recipient of grace, that she's a favored one, that she's going to be carrying the Son of God, Jesus, the Messiah. And what, what Gabriel is saying, he's very clear that Mary has found grace with God, meaning that she's been entrusted with something great to do and bear for God. And what's fascinating, Mary responds with a very logical question, as you would if God came to you as a virgin and said, you're going to bear a child. And she just says, how will this be? I don't understand it. I don't know you, you, but God asks me or tells me oftentimes that I'm supposed to read my Bible, be a good father, be a good husband, and follow Jesus. And I'm like, God, how can this be? Imagine what Mary is going through. She says, God, this isn't a question of disbelief. This is a biological question before God. How will this be, Lord, because I'm a virgin? 
And what's fascinating is when you study the scriptures of the incarnation, of the gospel, you will always find that the Lord always comes to the humble and the needy. Those that know that they can't make it without him. Those that are weak and needy. And this is the heart of Mary. I'll read it at the end, but at the very end, after Gabriel leaves, Mary expresses this praise before the Lord in what we know is the Magnificat. And Mary says this, she says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on my humble estate, on the humble estate of his servant. So when you look at it, man, Mary is a model for us as followers of Jesus who experience the birth of Christ in our life. That the incarnation, the resurrection, the Christmas story is not for the proud and self-sufficient. I can't say that loud enough. Jesus did not come for the world, for the people who have it all together. The people are the wealthiest, that don't need God. God came for, Jesus came for, and he proves it in the way in which he came. That he came for the humble, the lowly, the needy, those who are sitting before him without any other place to turn. And that's exactly what we see in the life of Jesus, the posture of one's heart that sets before the Lord. And what's amazing is that when God calls, he provides, but he provides for those who are humble and needy. You might think, how can this be? Maybe today you're here, and that's you today just with what's happened this last week. You are in a place where, like, God, I don't, I don't, I need you to show up in my life. I need you to show me how to walk forward. God, I need you to show me how to wrestle with what I've experienced. You need to help me, Lord. Can I tell you, God's proven from the very beginning he comes to those who are in need of him as we sit with our palms open in desperate need of the Lord and say, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. And he proved it from the very beginning that those who humble themselves before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm in great need of you, he will meet them where they are. I don't know about you, but maybe you're today or maybe you're watching online. Have you ever felt as though God was calling you to do something or move in a direction and you were so overwhelmed, you might ask God, how will this be? I've been there a number of times in my life. Like, God, I don't, I don't know if I'm the right person to do that. I don't know if I'm the right person to walk in this. I seem overwhelmed. I seem insignificant in who I am. Can I just tell you today that God knows who you are, where you are from, what family you came from, what background you have, and he wants to use you to carry out his purposes today in your life. And can I even go a step further? Man, you may be a follower of Jesus here in this room, and you don't know what it looks like for you to walk in his purposes in the coming days, just to love on the community around you. Can I tell you, God knows who you are. He knows what background you have. He knows what family you came from. He knows what brokenness is in your past, and God wants to use you. And when he calls you, like he's calling the church right now to step up in the community around we have you, when he calls you, he will provide everything you need to walk in his purposes. And I'll tell you, maybe you're here today, and maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're walking, watching online, and you just wrestle with, and you sit maybe in the tragedy of what's happening. You say, God, how can this be? Can 
can I tell you, it's okay to wrestle with God. In your humble questioning and brokenness, God will meet you there. And what's awesome is when God calls, he always provides. And can I tell you, you might look at the things that are happening in the world around us and say, man, there is nothing that can good can come out of this. Can I tell you what I remind you from the very beginning? In a moment, we'll get there where it's quoted, there is nothing that is impossible for the hand of God to work in. Nothing. If you look and you keep reading in verse 35, look what it says. An angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing is impossible with God. Answering Mary's question, of how will this be? He explains how it's going to happen. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And what he means by that is that Mary is a passive participant in the divine initiative of God, that the same way in which God created the world through the Spirit, he spoke the world into existence out of nothing. The same way that that happened, God out of nothing is going to overshadow Mary by the Spirit of God and, and the child, the Messiah, is going to come forward. I just want a side note. There's nothing, no sexual connotations that is found in the scriptures here. As you look back at these expressions that the, the Lord will come upon her and overshadow her that are used everywhere else in the scriptures that are never used in that orientation. And so it's, it's literally has nothing to do. There's nothing there that there's a, some sexual thing that's happening more. It's that the spirit of God is going to do what he's always done and doing the miraculous in the moment. And I love the way Gabriel leaves. He leaves with this encouragement to Mary. He says, your relative, who is in old age, Elizabeth, is already six months pregnant. And I want this to be a sign of the power and the ability to do the miraculous in your life, that nothing is impossible with God, that nothing's outside God's power, nothing's too hard for him, and he will always fulfill his word. Do you believe that? You believe that there's nothing in, uh, outside of God's power, and at the same moment, God will always provide for us when he calls. This is what God does. And you can look as, as far back as the Old Testament, even within the story of Jesus, from the very beginning, the story of Jesus is the miraculous. From the beginning, he's born of a virgin. He lives a perfect life. He dies, and then he has a miraculous resurrection that sets us free from all that we experience. This is the story of God. This is what Jesus does from the beginning to end. Jesus' story from conception to death reveals the miraculous power of God in his story. And man, if you're here and you know Jesus, if you're online, this is your story. This is what you've experienced. That God has brought life to you, that you were dead, and God brought life, and the Holy Spirit has come and he's brought new life. That God is in the business of doing the impossible. And you're living proof of it. Your story is living proof as you leave today that God has done the impossible just in your life and bringing you from death to life. Your story has significance. That you are the encouragement for the people around you. That God in his miraculous, amazing goodness can do the impossible. I'm reminded of a story that Jesus, interacting with someone, said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle for a rich person than a rich person to enter the kingdom 
of God. Many people are confused watching, and they say, well, then who can be saved if that's the case? And Jesus says something significant. He says, what is impossible with men is possible with God. And I want you to remember that today. That what might seem impossible in our terms is totally possible with God. That I don't want to go quickly through the story so quickly that I, that I would forget that there might be people here that are sitting under the sound of my voice that might say, Jim, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I come from. You don't know what I wrestle with. You don't know in the, 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 the back parts of my mind, the things that I think through that no one in this room knows. You might be watching online. You don't know where I'm watching from, Jim. You don't know what's happened this last week. Can I just share with you this morning that what seemingly seems impossible to you through the human eyes is not impossible, impossible with God. That when God provide, calls, he provides. That God's so good that when he called on Christmas morning, sending his son for all of us, he also provided through the same son redemption for all people who would come to him. And today, if you're under the sound of my voice, you are not outside the grace of God. The grace of God is for you. For you is what he died for. And all things are possible with God. And it started with a peasant girl named Mary, but it didn't end there. Jesus was born for you. He died for you. He rose from you. And he's doing the impossible for you today. Respond to his call if you don't know him. Give your life to him. Nothing is impossible for God. I reiterate again. I will be the first to say that even as a pastor, sometimes you look at the, the tragedies of this last week and you think, God, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's possible, God, for you to bring goodness from this. May I be reminded today and may you be reminded with me that all things are possible with God. As we learned a couple weeks ago, that God is working all things for good. And that God is working and crafting in ways that we'll never see as we enter in and respond to the call of God to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community, and he will provide a way for us. As you look, as we finish with the last verse in the story of Mary, it says in verse 38, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Not only does God provide, but when God calls, we need to respond. But when God calls in our lives, when God moves in our lives, there's only one natural response, and it's action, it's movement. Sometimes we read these stories, and I don't know if we really enter in to see and experience what's happening. Can you imagine what Mary's going through in that moment? What she's thinking through? She's probably thinking through that I'm probably going to lose my husband. He'll probably never, he'll never, he'll never believe me that I'm having a child, and some angel flew down and, oh, and, and told me I was going to have a baby, and I had a baby. I'm going to lose my husband. She was probably wrestling with the fact that in those times, adultery was a death sentence. She was probably shaken 
at her core of what might happen going forward. She was probably overwhelmed at a minimum of how much her life was going to radically change, even if Joseph stayed with her and she was not stoned to death. She was probably extremely overwhelmed at how it's going to affect her family going forward. But in all of this, her response, what an example it is to us, in full submission and trust before the Lord, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. Wow. What a response. God called, and she responded. Her response is basically, man, I don't know what it all means, but I trust God that he's good, and what he's doing is good. What a response for us today. She responded to the Lord. She accepted what he was calling her into, and her perspective was that she was a servant of the Lord, an instrument in the hand of a sovereign God. It reminds me of the story of Isaiah. You remember Isaiah chapter 6? Isaiah gets this unbelievable picture of who God is. He gets a vision where he's taken in and before the throne of God, and he sees how holy God is. And in light of how holy God is, he responds and sees how broken he is. And God comes, and he, he, takes, he comes before him and, and touches his lip with a coal, and he's forgiven. And in that state, God calls out and says with his own voice, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? To which he replied, In his brokenness and being overwhelmed before God, he says before the Lord, Lord, here I am, send me. In his humble brokenness, in his sinfulness that was forgiven, God wanted to use him. And he responded by saying, like Mary, here I am. I'm your servant. I want to go for you. Can I tell you, that should be our response as we look at the story of Christmas. As we look at the example of Mary, it is only but a response. When God calls us to enter in, we respond. She's a model for all of us who have experienced the life-giving name of Jesus Christ, that we respond to the Lord. In, in what? What way do we respond? It's amazing when you look at the story of Mary that she responded in beautiful submission before the Lord. Whatever you say, Lord, I don't understand it all. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I don't know what it looks like, Lord, but in all of it, I submit to what you have for me in my life. She's a model for us who have experienced Jesus. I love the way some people write. One person says, have you ever said, and can you say now, am I the Lord's servant? Think about that for a moment. Have you ever said, and can you say today, in every aspect of your life, not compartmentalizing like here over here, God over here, you can have this part, but in every area of our lives that we say, Lord, and maybe the really hard parts of our life, because this is probably one of the most hard parts of all of Mary's life, Lord, I am your servant in this area. I lay myself before you in submission. He goes on to say, I am the Lord's servant. May it be, these are the words that bring God's blessing. This is the way that Jesus taught us to pray. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, let your will be done right here, just as it is in heaven itself. As we enter into this season, what's your posture before the Lord? How are you responding to the Lord in this season? 
Do you see yourself as a servant of the Lord, an instrument in this season specifically? God has given us a whole new season in this last week. Do you see yourself as a servant, as an instrument to be used in the sovereign plan of God? Because God has significant things for you in your life. Like Mary. The fact that you're a follower of Jesus, like Mary, you have found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And he doesn't find grace. He doesn't call us to himself just so that we could sit in our hands and come to church and sing some songs and go about our lives. He calls us that we might respond in submission to carry out all that he has for us in everyday life. Let me ask you, what are you not, what are you not submitting to the Lord in this season? What are you too scared to respond to the Lord? That, Lord, in this area of my life, I submit to you. Because when God calls, we respond no matter our situation because nothing is impossible with God. Jesus has come, Emmanuel, God with us. Let us respond appropriately. Let us respond that at our heart we believe Nothing is impossible with God. And if you're a follower of Jesus, may that be your heart as we enter into the season of Christmas. Going a step further, I know that there's people in this room, I talked to them before the service. Like Mary, maybe you feel confused. You don't understand all the things that have happened over the course of the last week. You know that it's probably going to change your life forever. And you don't really know how to respond. It's amazing that Mary, after this, she responds in a profound way. I told you I wanted to read this real quick. After the angel leaves and Mary is with her relative Elizabeth, she responds by this song of praise. It's beautiful. She says this in Luke chapter 1 in verse 47 and 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those who in humble estate. He has filled the hungry with, with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He has spoken to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And you might be here today, overwhelmed, confused, not seeing how we go forward from here. How can God bring healing to this brokenness? How can God bring goodness to this situation? Can I tell you, maybe it's really good for us, even as we end the service, you may not feel about it. You may not feel good about it. You may not feel like it. But like Mary, even in her confused, overwhelmed, I don't even know what she's experienced state. She responded in worship and praise before the Lord. 
And we're going to sing a song in a moment that just signifies the, the idea that nothing is impossible with God. And maybe today, you just need to sit before the Lord and allow the Word of God to wash over you. Maybe you need to stand and declare before the Lord with hands raised high, I'm struggling to believe it in this moment, Lord. But I want to respond in praise to you because you deserve it in every season of my life. And the way in which I'm going to fight in this season to overcome all that you're doing in my life. God, I want to praise you and I will lift your name high that nothing is impossible with you, Lord. And I'm going to ask for you to help me to believe it in this season. That God is good, he's still good, and he's working all things out for our good. And I want to remind you again today that we love you as a church. We're praying for you. We're here for you. We don't just say that. We want to love on you and love on each other well. So I'm going to pray in a moment. My heart is that we as the church in this moment would look at the story of Mary and be spurred on to respond to the Lord, to respond to the Lord in submission and following and belief in the Lord. And then in praise and adoration to him because he deserves it, but also it is what's best for our souls in this moment. And worship doesn't always mean we open our mouths. Today, for some, worship might be sitting, contemplating the goodness of God and declaring it in our own hearts and souls. Would you pray with me today? God, thank you. Thank you for who you are and all that you've done in our lives. We don't deserve your goodness, God, and we don't deserve who you are. But God, today, we come before you looking at the, the story of Mary, a person who is insignificant, really, in the world before you came to her. A peasant girl that was in a nowhere town, but God, you came to the, the, the needy and the lowly. And today, God, I know that there's many in this room that are needy and lowly. I know that there's people watching online that are needy, needy and lowly, that they're humble before you in all that they're experiencing, God. God, I pray over anyone in this room that is in that state that don't know you as a follower of Jesus, that never placed their faith and trust in you, they don't know you as Lord and Savior, that maybe today they would respond to you because that's what you call us to do in humility, going before you and saying, Lord, I need you. I can't make it on my own. I need what you brought on Christmas and ultimately on the cross in salvation. And then, God, I know there's many in this room that need to go before you, not bury what they're experiencing and feeling and push it down and move on with life, but go before you and say, Lord, I need you. And I want to bring my, my burdens to you today, Lord, with open palms. I'm humble and I'm needy and I come before you, Lord, because only you can do the healing in our community, in our hearts, in this season. And God, may the church respond to the call. May we respond in knowing that our story is meant to be used for your glory and that you want us, as you call, you provide a way for us. So God, help us to be your hands and your feet in this season, that we might respond to what you have for us 
And may you give us all an extra measure of grace in this room. And may we take it out into the community out there that nothing is impossible with you, Lord. You're so good that you sent your son to the world for us that we might experience your goodness. And because of that, there's nothing that you can't do. Your gospel breaks down every barrier, every broken place. And we can find healing in that. May we as the church respond to the call that you've placed on us to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this community. And may good things come as we see you work in a a great tragedy, Lord, in this place. Only you can do it. And we pray for you. Pray that you might do it in our community through us. It's in Jesus' powerful name we pray. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.